You know the vibes. We are back for another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast, presented by NBA 2K22. It's your boy, Mo Mootsi, alongside the three-time NBA champion checking in late night in LA right now to bring you this podcast, Mr. BJ Armstrong. How you doing today, sir? Oh, Mo, what's good, baby? What's good? You know, it's another night of the NBA. What a night. night. I'm going to tell you something. Mm. This Jokic and Joel Embiid thing. (laughs) This is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. You know, Jokic plays well. Joel follows that back up. Joel plays well. Jokic follows that up. These two right now, I, I think they they have uh, the stats, each other stat sheet or stat line posted in their locker because these guys <laughs> are playing unreal right now. They're, they're, they're both amazing they, right now what they're doing. They know the MVP race is too close to call, so they're giving it all down the stretch. Jokic had 46 points, 12 rebounds and 11 assists yesterday. And then tonight, he follows it up with 32 points, 15 rebounds, and 13 assists. He had, in total, over a 24-hour span. So in less than a day, he had 76 points, 24 assists, 27 rebounds. And he's the only player since 99-2000 to have multiple games with at least over 30 points, over 10 rebounds, over 10 assists, over 70% shooting. Did it in back-to-back games, and he's done it over six times so far this season. Nikola Jokic, statistically, it's impossible to make a case that he's not the MVP. But then when you look across town, when you look across town at what Joel Embiid is doing, not across town, but across the country. Across the country. Yeah. When you look across the country, man, that's crazy. What did he have last night? He had 43 points, 14 rebounds. Like, he's he's on another level. He's on a whole nother level and he's integrating James Harden there 5 and 0 with James Harden in the team now. They're playing fantastic basketball. But this MVP race is going down. We ain't even spoke about Giannis. We haven't even spoke about the other guys. The MVP yeah. race is going all the way down to whoever closes out the season the strongest. Um, I want to talk about Jokic for a sec. It feels like he doesn't get the same amount of love as Embiid right now on most quote-unquote media places. But then when you talk to Embiid fans, they say Embiid doesn't get the love that Jokic gets. So what do you think the case is with Nikola Jokic? Because he's been this great all season long, and it hasn't been getting that same amount of attention. Well, here in the States, you know, let's just call it what it is. You know, Joel Embiid is on the Eastern time zone. So his games, for the most part, you know, the, you know, they're played first. Yeah. The reporting comes first. Our good friend Jokic has played in the Western Conference. So that's a that, that's like a two to three hour difference in the time zone. And so so that, that's just what it is. That's that's what it is. So Joel is first. So you're going to talk about him more than you're going to talk about Jokic. However, Jokic, when you look at his numbers, it's like, you know, like you take today's game. Incredible. But yesterday's game, if he was on the Eastern time, yep, you would have been talking about that first. And he delivered the overtime clutch performance to secure that W. The other thing I was going to say is, this is the third season in a row where Nuggets games are not on TV. 
because the ownership group and the TV networks do not get along. But speaking of John Embiid and John Embiid going first, last night was his 10th 40-point game of the season. He's the first center with 10 40-point games in a season since Patrick Ewing had 11 in 1990. So what he's doing right now... Hey, yeah. that's V's. Shout out to Patrick Ewing. Yeah, that's you a, know, OG hey. talk. <laughs> you know, you know what's, you know what's, you know. I was thinking, you know, just today as I was actually I was watching Jokic today against the Golden State Warriors yesterday for you. Um, he's arguably maybe the greatest Denver Nuggets of all time. I was thinking this too. He's. Arguably, you know, if, if is he the best Denver athlete? If we talk across all sports, oh, a Denver athlete, I don't know, but he's somewhere. He's up, up, he's up there. He's he's, he's, he's on the Mount there. Rushmore he's, of Denver athletes, and he's still absolutely. two seasons into his prime. Yeah, I mean, he's he's right up there. I mean, they've had some great ones, you know, David Thompson, Alex English, come on, Anthony. Carmelo, he's arguably, he's arguably the best one. You can't argue statistically. You definitely can't argue statistically. And, he's in another realm, right? But he's he's incredible, just incredible, in- incredible. But what's also incredible is how James Harden has fitted into this Philadelphia 76ers team. Um, one one position that really stood out to me just before halftime. There's about there's 30 seconds left, so they're they're trying to take the the longest shot that they can and just leave five seconds on the clock for the Bulls to go back down and get their shot. James Harden, he's isolated, dribble, 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 dribble. The defender, to his credit, does a really good job. So James Harden says, with like four seconds left on the clock, he said, "Fine," just passes the ball to Joel Embiid out on the three point line, who gets in his dribble bag, pulls up and catches in a jump shot. And that's the first time, like, I've seen James Harden. I know he played in Brooklyn, okay, but they played, like, what, 20 games together? Mm-hmm. James Harden, he would have never done that in Houston. Even though he had CP next to him, or even he had Russell, he would have never done that in Houston. And seeing him be willing to make those plays and give up the ball to his teammate and being able to trust that his teammate can deliver at the same rate or even a more efficient rate than he can, I think that's a scary prospect for the rest of the league. And Tyrese Maxey now being a third star. Not a potential third star, not a future third star. Tyrese Maxey is the third star on that team. It's looking all types of crazy in Philadelphia. But one thing, you know, there's there's loads of games that happened last night. But one thing that really made me happy last night was Victor Oladipo coming back from the Miami Heat. Yes, yes. It's been a long road. You know, it's been a long road for him to get back healthy and to see him on the court. Well, the first thing is he checks into the game and instantly he took a charge. A charge because it was a very questionable call. And that just sums up the heat culture so perfectly. Um, I think he he fits right at home. He played 15 minutes, 11 points, four assists, four of seven from the field, two or three from downtown. A lot of actions without the ball in his hands, just coming off screens. Um and and a couple a uh, couple possessions with the ball in his hands and a huge dunk. What did you make of his performance and his return? So good to see him back healthy. Well, he's definitely another capable body, an able body for this already deep 
team there in Miami. So, you know, I think Miami understands they're going to need depth. They are, you know, I mean, think about it. They're virtually, literally adding an all-star caliber player to the already first place team in the Eastern Conference. So that's an incredible thing, especially at this stage of the season, to be able to incorporate him for the final stretch run, you know, 15 or 18 games, whatever they have left, and then allow him to come in and be able to contribute where he doesn't have to shoulder the load, but to be able to contribute. So this is a very, you know, this is very strategic, like we always expect Miami to do. Yep. You know, most teams were looking to make a trade and suddenly they had a guy like Victor Oladipo just kind of getting him ready for this stretch run. So, you know, it's just great to see him back on the court. And, you know, we remember what Victor was doing prior to this latest injury that he sustained, but hopefully he gets back and be and able to return back to a level. That to me is a big question mark for the rest of the league, because if he's able to return somewhere near where he was at, that's a big bonus, a big help for this Miami Heat team. You've already got Tyler Hero being sixth man of the year. Victor Oladipo plays like this, seventh man of the year. That rotation for the playoffs looks very scary. And Coach Spo does a great job of getting the most out of guys that you wouldn't necessarily typically think you'd get that level of production from. The Max Struces of the world, the Gabe Vincents of the world. Comes in to see the Coach Spo coaches them and they have fantastic performances all season long and that's a big part of why they are currently sat in the number one seed but last night your elite defender Mr. Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz lost again this time at the hands of Luka Doncic who went crazy with it 35 points 16 rebounds 7 assists 3 steals and a block Luka's going to cause someone some problems in the playoffs and it's not just Luka now Spencer Dinwiddie 23 points Dorian Finney-Smith had 21. This Mavericks team is starting to roll at the right time. They get it done defensively. Luca carries them offensively. Luca and Gobert got into it a little bit just before the halftime whistle. Mm. And I thought, that's not, a, that's not a good move. That's not smart. You don't want... That's one of the players in the league. You don't want to, you don't want to annoy him. You, you don't want to annoy him because when he gets annoyed and he gets into his bag like that, with 35, 16, and 7 in the win. What do you think about the Mavericks? I think they could cause an upset in the playoffs or at least, at the very least, cause someone a lot of trouble for seven games. Well, I, I think you're exactly right, Bo. I think Luka Doncic is that level of talent where he can carry a series. And the way this team is playing, you know, I'm, I would be very concerned if I had to play them in the first round because... I don't care who he's playing, Luka Doncic. Okay, not the Dallas Mavericks, but Luka Doncic. As Luka it Doncic. stands, it'll be the Jazz, who they just played last night. Yeah, Luka, Luka, Luka is a problem. Make, make no doubt about it. Now, my only concern with this Dallas Mavericks team is they're playing a lot of minutes, and we're giving them a lot of praise, as they should. They're turning the corner. They're playing very well. They're playing at an elite level, and that's great. However... When you start getting up to 37, 38, 40 minutes in a regular season game, I'm always a little concerned. And that's what you're seeing here now. Yes, they are winning, but those are a lot of minutes, logging a lot of minutes, especially for your starters. Now, 
you know, that's what you want to see in the playoffs. So I'm a little concerned that Coach Kidd, and I know he's down. I, I don't think Brunson played tonight. Tim Hardaway is out. Tim Hardaway Jr. is out. And so I'm a little concerned, but got to give him credit. Those guys are playing. You want to win as many games as you can. They're turning around the culture, and it's a great thing to see. But I would love to see them, you know, just scale that back a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, if I could just be a little, you know, a little picky. Well, but I, I, I love, I, I, you know, but what can I say, you know, at this point? Because it, it's working clearly. Um, but, you know, those are those are a lot of minutes to be logging, especially this late in the season for your starters. Well, speaking of turning it around and changing the culture, we have to give some credit to the Minnesota Timberwolves, who had a huge win over the Portland Trailblazers. I think Portland are on a five-game loss streak now, and that meant they didn't have to play their stars a lot of minutes. They went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight players came off their bed. They went 13 man deep in their rotation last night. The Timberwolves right. this season have quietly, I'm not saying they, they're going to do anything crazy, but they're on a five-game win streak, creeping up on that sixth seed. Um, I know Jokic and, and the Nuggets will be hard to knock off from there, but the Minnesota Timberwolves finally looking like they're having a great season. I think defensively as well, they've all kind of bought in. Even D'Angelo Russell, which I didn't expect to see from, from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns has been fantastic on offense. Patrick Beverly's been a nice presence there for them. A little bit of that grittiness that I think you need when you play alongside a Carl Anthony Towns who's not exactly the toughest guy in the league, shall we say. Um, I, like, I like what the Timberwolves are building. I like the foundation that they're building um, and getting better each year. What do you think of Minnesota right now? But you have to like what you see. And, you know, as you're turning the corner as a franchise like the Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, you first of all, you like to see, you know, young teams defend home court. I think they are doing that. And then you really like to see win games on the road that you should win versus teams that have, you know, maybe not as good a record as you, but more importantly, games you expect to win. Just like a game tonight versus... Portland. You know, the Portland, the Portland Trailblazers. Now, you know, no disrespect, but you should, you know, when you look at the rosters, the Minnesota Timberwolves should win that game. And yeah. then they take care of their business. So I like what I'm seeing. You mentioned veterans like Patrick Beverly. Those were always big pickups because of his leadership. You know, those guys are competing up there in Minnesota. And I think Minnesota has made strides in the right direction. Anthony Edwards. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, and in particular, Carl Anthony Towns. I think he has, without question this year, been the best player on the team, very deserving to be an all-star. And he's been really a stabilizing factor, if not the main stabilizing factor on why this team is playing well. He's played exceptionally well at the center position this year with his three-point shooting and things that he that he does, his passing. So it's been great to see because this is another franchise that's, that's been kind of floundering around a little bit. Mm-hmm. And now they've made strides. And now the next is internally Anthony Edwards. And yep. I think getting those guys consistently on the floor, continuing to play like this, and hopefully they'll continue to move the needle in the direction they're doing right now. Because, uh, you know, you got to give them credit. They've really done a very nice job up there in Minnesota. Yeah, Anthony Edwards is one of my favorite young players. He's one of the funniest personalities off the court as well. But they handed Portland their fifth straight loss. Um, the other day, I, I don't know if you saw the Phoenix Suns handing Portland a 30-piece 
And yes, before the game, we had Bridges and Aiden dancing to a couple of tunes instead of warming up. I thought that was funny. But do you know what it also told me? Golden State are not in the same caliber as Phoenix. And they're not anywhere close. Mm. Because they're on their fifth mm. straight loss as well. And the difference is, Phoenix are without two of their stars. And we spoke about this yesterday on the show. And they still competed against the MVP candidate and defending champs in the Milwaukee Bucks. Golden State are falling apart without Draymond Green right now. Absolutely crumbling. Um, I know they didn't have Steph last night, but to me, it's just not the same. Because even when they do have Steph and no Draymond, it still doesn't look right to me. Draymond being such an integral piece, not taking anything away. We know what he brings to that team. But I just don't see it in the same way that I see it with the Phoenix Suns. Am I being too harsh? Well, you know, some, you know, some of the critics here have Golden State, you know, coming out of the West. And, you know, the thing that I, that, that I want to say about this Golden State team is that based on their experience and what they've done in the past, I can understand that way of thinking. This is a championship caliber team because look at the players, you know, look at their big three in particular. You know, you're talking about Draymond Green. You're talking about Steph Curry. You're talking about Clay Thompson, Andre Iguodala. However, you have to do it. And this team, you're talking about a Clay Thompson that's coming off not one significant injury, but two. And that's not fair to him. It's not fair to think that someone's going to come back after, what, literally over two years of rehab from an ACL, a torn Achilles, and come back and we're going to expect him to be Clay Thompson. No, that's not fair to him, and I don't think that's an accurate assessment. I think that's a very irresponsible assessment to think that he's going to step back on the court and just get this together. You know, when I look at Steph Curry, Steph Curry is asked to shoulder a lot of responsibility. Draymond Green, another player. And I've said this before. I like what these young players are doing. But right now, Golden State, like every franchise, you have, to, you have to make a commitment to someone. So you have to make a commitment to either Jordan Poole, Kaminga, and these guys, or you're going to have to make a commitment to the older players and say, this is the, these are the guys well, this, that's going to make this push. This is what I was just going to say is, that's the difference is when you look at the, Golden State team that played last night, Moses Moody, Jordan Poole, Kevon Looney, all these guys, they don't, they're young. And the Phoenix guys are young too in Bridges, Aiton, Cam Johnson. But those guys were in the finals last year. They've got that experience. Whereas these guys, they don't have that experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it, it's just a matter of, you know, listen, it's one of those good problems to have. At some point here, believe it or not, the Warriors are going to have to move forward with these young players. Yep. Whether that's this year, next year, or what have you. And, the, and, and, and these guys, Wiseman, Kaminga, Jordan Poole, Wiseman's these guys can on, play. Wiseman's got to get on okay. the court first and foremost. Yeah, exactly. But, 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 you know, Wiggins, these guys are young enough to where you're saying, okay, I'm not saying that it's time to make that transition now. But these guys have played to where suddenly now 
you know, you, you got to figure out who's who and what's what. So I, I think, you know, right now things for them, you can see what the future holds, which the future is bright, but right now they're kind of in a transition and, 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 and it's, it's, it's tough because, you know, they've struggled. They've really struggled. And we keep saying, well, they're missing this guy or they're missing that guy. What they're missing is just a full roster. Look, they it's, play a style it's of play. two rosters put together. It's the vets and the young guys. It, There's it, no middle yeah. ground for me. Andrew Wiggins, since he became an all-star has not been playing very good basketball. And I get you have to prepare for the future, but in doing so and preparing for the future and life after Steph and life after Clay, you do sacrifice some of that bench depth. I'm not saying that the bench players aren't quality, but the bench just doesn't have the experience that previous Golden State benches did in terms of delivering that winning culture. But speaking of young players, though, PJ, we have to highlight the play of one man and one man in particular who's been on a hot run of form recently. Over his last eight games, he's been averaging 21, 8, and 6. He delivered an overtime last night to clutch up the win for your Detroit Pistons. Kate mm. Cunningham, 28 points, mm. 10 assists, 6 rebounds. And I must say, that battle with Trey Young, <laughs> only one man walked away a winner, and it wasn't Ice Trey who finished 5 of 20 from the field. They made life difficult for the Atlanta Hawks point guard. And Kay Cunningham came away with a fantastic performance, including clutch free throws late in the fourth quarter and late in overtime to seal out the win. Well, I think we can finally say right now, Mo, that Atlanta has underachieved by their standards from last year. Oh, big time. Big time. Okay. You know, we kept saying maybe they're going to turn it around like they did last year. And, Man. you know, they were facing same problems to everyone else. But I think it's official now. They've underachieved as far as it goes for the regular season. Now, I still like their roster. I still like the pieces that they have. But, you know, getting back to Detroit. Well, just, just before you do, they got to be careful that Paul Zingis returning to the court, who had a fantastic return for the Wizards yesterday night. They're only, what, what one game behind, two games behind for that final playing spot. They got to be careful they don't trip up and lose that playing spot to the Wizards. Well, they really needed that win. And talking about Atlanta last night. Yep. But don't sleep on the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons have won six out of their last eight. It's like they don't want okay. the number one pick. <laughs> well, it's not about they don't want. I think everyone keeps looking at number one picks and adding these players. Okay. They added the number one pick last year. And they're what in 14th place right now yeah. in the Eastern and, Conference. But, okay. but also they, they added. Another high draft pick who I think the change of scenery has been fantastic for in Marvin Bagley, who had 19 and 10 off the bench. And he held his, I'm not saying he locked him down, but he held his own when they forced switches and he was forced to guard Trey Young. He forced him into tough, tough shots. I liked what I saw from the kid. Well, you, you know, Marvin Bagley, it was a reason he was drafted. What number one or two? Was he number two in that yeah, draft? After uh, eight. Number two in the draft. There, there was a reason. Okay. And, and, you know, when you have a young player, especially a young big, it takes time. All right. But we we don't live in a world where we're giving these players the appropriate amount of time to develop. So maybe a change of scenery for him. It was a good thing because he's gone to Detroit. He's around other players his same age. And Detroit has welcomed him 
And, you know, it's, it's funny. They're playing him at the center position, <laughs> you know, that yep. they're playing him basically as a, just a, a big athlete. That's because that's what he is right and, now. And Cade's making his life easy as well. Well, you know, some players, you know, it's funny. When I watch the game, some players are Eastern Conference players. Some players are Western Conference players. That's like, for instance, DeMar DeRozan is an Eastern Conference player. <laughs> He's a West Coast kid. He grew up in L.A., but he has an East Coast game. Everyone's acting like DeMar DeRozan is just all of a sudden now making mid-range shots. Well, just check his career for the last 10, 11 years. He was doing that in Toronto and then he goes out to San Antonio and he kind of, you know, all right. Well, that's how to be a playmaker. You're like, yeah. And then all of a sudden he comes back and you go, oh, he's the monster of the mid range. Well, no, he was always doing that. He's just mm-hmm. an East Coast player. And then you have some players who are West Coast players. Okay. They, they get out and the game out there is a little bit wide open and so forth and so on. Now, this kid, Marvin Bagley, has an East Coast game. It's been interesting to watch. That's an interesting way to break it down. We're going to have to dive deeper into that on another episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I just want to say this real quick. He's And what they're doing is they're allowing him to do one thing, to be an athlete. And that's so important for young players, especially young bigs. Yeah. Right now, he's not skilled enough to beat you on skill, but he is good enough to beat you as a young, tall athlete. And that's why he's having success. Because he is just being an athlete. And that's what he is right now. Yep. And before we wrap up here, just want to give a shout out to Greg Popovich for tying Don Nelson for the most wins ever by an NBA head coach. We'll celebrate it properly when he wins one more game and overtakes him on the leaderboard. But also shout out to Tim Duncan, who's responsible for almost most of those wins. Um, But more importantly, with Greg Popovich leading his side to a win last night, it meant what, BJ? It meant the Lakers lost. Oh, one of your favorite things. One of your favorite things. Man, it's just just a good day. It's just a great way to start. I don't know if you watched that game, Mo. I caught some of it. I caught some of it when I was flicking through. I was 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 keeping keeping a sneaky eye on the Knicks against the Sacramento Kings. We could talk about them because that was an impressive win. But it was against the Sacramento Kings. Sorry, Jack. I know you're listening. But you can't be celebrating. If you're a Knicks fan, you can't be celebrating that. Come on, guys. you got to yeah. do better. Well, but- you have to celebrate it because that's two in a row. Okay? That's, <laughs> that's two, rare, two in a row. That's for them now. That's, that's <laughs> two in a row. And you know what? You'll take it. Wins are hard to come by. And the Knicks will take it right now. Yes, sir. Well, thank you guys for rocking with us for another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast. We've got a fantastic week coming up for you. Make sure you keep an eye out on the Twitter timelines. We're going to be asking you to take some of your questions for an episode of Hoopology this Thursday because Friday we're planning something special. So stay tuned, Mm. stay locked, stay loaded. We'll be back tomorrow morning. We'll be talking about the MVP race. We talked about it a little today with Jokic and Embiid. But we've got to talk about Giannis. We've got to talk about DeRozan, Jamaran, and all these other guys as we get closer to the business end of the season as always please leave a review for the show wherever you're listening to it five stars on spotify if you like the show keep it 100 um apple leave a review we'll read some of those out on the next episode youtube subscribe on there as always most importantly until next time get buckets <laughs>